We've been talking about the need for secure development for a long time, but thankfully there are some recent changes that make it look like that might now truly be coming to pass. Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz, Executive Editor with Information Security Media Group, and I'm speaking with Chris Weisopel, the Chief Technology Officer and Co-Founder of Veracode. Chris, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Matthew. It's good to be here. How has secure development been changing of late? Well, the biggest change is the security is getting integrated into the development lifecycle. It used to be done as a bolt-on process at the end of the development lifecycle. So the team would develop the software, and then the security team would swoop in with manually and with a set of tools, do security testing, and then hand a set of security bugs back to the development team, and then they would argue about them and fix some of them. But the problem was, since it was at the end of the development cycle, the more security issues there were, the more delayed shipping the software was. Obviously, if you're in the business of building software, that's just, you're losing revenue there, right? Because you can't ship your new version. So it built up this relationship where the security team and the development team are sort of at odds with each other. They don't have mutually aligned goals. One team's goal is to ship functionality as soon as possible, and the other team's goal is to basically protect the business's brand, right? Or protect you know, the, the money of the business, intellectual property of the business. What we've seen is that in other places in software development, we've seen teams start to work together, and that ends up with a better outcome. So the first place we saw this was the QA team disappeared. QA team, it wasn't another step in the development lifecycle. It got absorbed into the development process. The developers are actually responsible for building their own unit tests to test their own code. And there are some people that build automated tests, but they are working alongside the development team as they're working, and it's managed by a single manager. It's one team. So out of that came agile software development, where you just get higher velocity, faster iterations, because you're sort of doing everything continuously. There's no different steps. Now we're seeing a move to the DevOps movement is to integrate the development team and the operations team into one team. And it's no longer development ships and gives it to the operations team to deploy. And then the operations team monitors it. They get the call in the middle of the night if something's a problem. They have to debug it if something's a problem. And then you know, when the developer gets up in the morning, maybe they get a call. Now it's a single team. So we have a single team that's responsible for building software and operating the software. And the benefits of that is you just get much faster velocity. A lot of that's because developers are developers and they don't want to do anything manually. They write code. So they want to automate everything, right? As soon as a developer does something like three times by typing, they're like, I can write a script. So I can type two characters now instead of 20, right? So what then you see is you see the deployment process get automated. It's no longer you know, sending a file to a person where a person deploys it. It's actually a script that just deploys the software. And then monitoring is all automated too. So there's none of this, you know, there's a person checking in on some system. No, the system, when it goes out of bounds, it sends a message. So we've seen development practices. The impact of DevOps is to automate everything and make it go faster, and you get a more reliable, more repeatable development team. How widespread is DevOps at this point? Do you find companies getting burned and then turning to it? Or do you see it being really adopted in some industries? Are there laggards? Are there leaders? No, there's no doubt that DevOps helps with the reliability of your software. Organizations are moving to it for competitive reasons. 
they need to go faster. They're competing with their software. You know, think of an airline with a crappy um, web experience and a crappy app. And I can probably think of some. And I know that there's some that are good. That's part of the customer experience now is good applications. And so businesses are competing with software to have better experiences for their customers, suppliers, partners, easier to do business with. And so that's driving a competitiveness in software delivery. And that's the reason companies are moving to DevOps so they can be more competitive, which is good. I mean, that goes right to the, you know, the bottom line. What we're seeing now is uh, application security is at a point where it's no longer a nice to have to be integrated in with that software development pipeline. It's a must have. If that pipeline is fully automated where developer writes code, checks in code, the build kicks off, it's all built, the unit tests kick off, it's all tested. If everything passes, the continuous deployment routines package it up in Docker and it gets shipped off and it runs, right? Where is security going to happen if you're not automated, right? You're either going to be finding things that they're in production, so way late, plus you're a separate team where you should be part of that team. So that's where this whole move to rugged software or DevSecOps is to embed security into that single team, make the development team responsible for running the security tests, just like they're responsible for running the quality tests. And just like they fail a build when there's a functionality problem or a performance problem that's unacceptable, they'll fail the build and it won't go into production, have them fail the build when there are security defects found that can't go into production. So this is both a challenge for people in application security to make our stuff developer pipeline friendly with the right integrations, with the right tools, and make it fast enough. But it's also a huge opportunity to be part of that way that software is built going forward. So we're very excited about the DevOps movement because we think people will, will have more secure software that will come out of that movement. Where does the buck stop inside a DevOps team when there's a security failure? It's yeah. a two-week sprint, say, you've got to ship the software out the door, and all of a sudden, oh no, it's just failed. You don't know why. What happens inside a team at that point when you're talking about this model? How do they get it to it, where they need it to it's be? It's got to be, so the thing is, they got to use the same processes they use for other defects. So a functionality defect or a performance defect is basically a test failing, an automated ticket being open, the leadership of the team deciding whether it's bad enough to hold up the release or not. Security should just be the same thing. The security testing should generate tickets, put priorities on them, and then someone should decide, do we accept this negative risk? Do we hold up the build? Do we fix it in the next sprint? Or do we fix it at all? It, that shouldn't be done by a separate team. There shouldn't be a separate security team doing this. So there's a need for expertise. A security team can be consultative. We do that for our customers. They're like, how is this exploited? How bad is this issue? They can call us up, schedule a development coaching session, and we'll walk through an issue with them. So that development team can understand the risk and make that decision themselves. They can escalate. They can escalate it, right. And that's also one of the things that people don't talk a lot about when they say application security is being built into development lifecycle and it's responsive and fast. The fixing has to be responsive and fast too. If you find defects in an automated way and you do it really quickly, but you don't have a way to fix it quickly, you've only solved half the problem, right? To, to solve the problem completely, you need to be able to fix it. So developers know how to fix functionality bugs. That's what they've been doing for years and years and years. They learned that in school. They know how to do that. Developers don't come out of school knowing how to fix security bugs. So the, the risk here is you find the stuff in an automated way, but then it just sits there in the queue 
and no one wants to touch it. It takes too long to fix it. They try to make it go away by saying, ah, I think it's mitigated somewhere else. It's not really a risk. Instead of if they really knew, understood the bug right away, it's like, oh, SQL injection. I know that gets attacked by attackers all the time. There's tools out there to do that. I understand where the problem is because I understand how a SQL injection flaw is structured in the code and I know how to fix it. If a developer gets a ticket to fix a SQL injection bug and has all that knowledge already, boom, they just fix it, right? So how do you get to that point? There's a few ways to get to it. One is you know, e-learning, right? So give them a half hour course on SQL injection in Java. Another one we were doing is bite size like a few minute long video clips right next to the findings when we deliver the findings to the developer, they can just click on that. They don't need to be scheduled or told. They can opt in and be self-service and say, yeah, let me just learn about this. And we have metrics to show that both e-learning and what I'm gonna talk about now, which is developer coaching, where they can push a button, schedule a call, a consultative call, and have someone walk through a defect and how to fix it with them. Those things, we have metrics to show that our customers fix more flaws. Customers doing the same testing with Veracode, if they take advantage of e-learning or they take advantage of developer coaching, they fix 1.5 times and two times as many flaws respectively by taking advantage of those. So I guess you would fix three times as many if you did both. And that's the difference between a company that fixes 30% of the bugs that we tell them about and a company that's fixing like 75, 80% of the bugs that we tell them about. We can see that the companies that are fixing more are availing themselves of helping developers sort of self-service and get the right information at the right time. Just in time. Just, just in time, right. So on the, sort of on the job training, right? Don't take them away from the job. Give them the task to do and teach them that task right there. I mean, that's why we call it coaching, because it's like the person standing next. You're not watching a video of how to bat, right? There's someone telling you, swing a little bit earlier. Your stance needs to be a little bit better. And doing that in private, too. The other thing is, this is in private. It's not like Bobby has the most cross-site scripting flaws. We have metrics on him, and we're assigning him to the e-learning training, like the security team imposing that. This is something that is self-service, and that's the way that developers want they want to work. They want to make good code, but they want to do their job sort of in private. Chris, thanks very much for your time and insights today. Sure, no problem. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thank you for joining us.